listening to NemaCast, the podcast channel of the electro industry. I'm Mariella Echeverria, and I'm here today with Alex Bosenberg, our Director of Regulatory Affairs, to talk about minimum energy efficiency performance standards affecting NEMA member products in North America. As of this recording, Alex has been with NEMA for almost 14 years, 12 of those in the GR team, working on these in similar areas. Hi, Alex. What are we going to talk about today? Well, thank you, Mariella. Today we're going to discuss the rulemakings, or regulations, managed by the U.S. Department of Energy and the public proceedings of the DOE and other energy conservation standards. That sounds like a lot to cover. It can be, but we've decided to divide these conversations up into manageable pieces, beginning with some overview and then diving into more specifics. So the U.S. Department of Energy, isn't DOE a large agency? How do energy conservation rulemakings fit in? Well, it's a very large agency, yes. It's responsible for everything from sponsoring technology, innovation, research, to energy conservation standards, to nuclear power technology research. But Energy conservation standards regulations are managed by the Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy Office, or EERE, which is part of the DOE Buildings Technologies Office, or BTO. BTO manages many other programs, such as the research and development grant and partnership programs I mentioned, as well as the National Building Code programs and many more. Uh, EERE is responsible for creating, revising, and managing energy conservation standards, having been given this responsibility by the U.S. Congress as part of the Energy Protection and Conservation Act, or EPCA, and its updates over the years. So are they rules, rulemakings, regulations, or standards? What exactly are we talking about here? Well, that's a good question. Uh, The DOE conducts a rulemaking to make a rule, which becomes a regulation, which often in itself sets standards. But in practice, we use the terms interchangeably. Okay, so how many of these minimum energy conservation standards are there? Well, the DOE maintains or develops minimum energy conservation standards for about 70 product classes in both the commercial and consumer sector. NEMA staff represent and work with NEMA members in over a dozen product and component classes. NEMA also follows DOE proceedings where NEMA member products are subcomponents of other regulated devices. Were all these standards originated by DOE? Not always. Sometimes Congress sets standards via legislation and gives them to DOE to manage. Other times Congress directs DOE to establish standards for a specific product class. Sometimes DOE establishes new standards on its own using its authority given by Congress to do that. You mentioned NEMA member products can be a subcomponent or another product class. What do you mean by that? Well, a good example is furnaces, which might contain one or more electric motors, uh, such as a fan, uh, or streetlights with a lighting fixture, a driver, and a light source. Or electric motors and a lighting ballast are subcomponents, which can then be regulated independently as well. But furnaces and streetlight fixtures are regulated, and so some of their subcomponents are as well. That sounds complex. It can be. Uh, We have to examine and understand not only the impact of a DOE regulation or proposed regulation on the product class it pertains to, but also the related products or subcomponents. A revision to a subcomponent could negatively impact the performance of a system. Besides energy performance standards, what other things does DOE do that might impact our member products? Well, under EPCA, the DOE Energy Conservation Program for Covered Products consists essentially of four parts, testing, labeling, the energy standards, and certification and enforcement of those standards. And how often does DOE produce or update these regulations or programs? Well, they're obliged to as a result of the Energy Independence and Security Act of 2007, also called ESA. Uh, That act 
requires the DOE review test procedures every seven years and standards every six. What are the steps to a rulemaking and are they different for TPs versus energy efficiency standards? Well, in application, the steps of the notice and comment process are fairly uniform overall. DOE usually begins with what's called a framework document or a request for information. That asks for public inputs on the product class in question, whether revisions to regulations are needed and if so, where and why. Then they do an analysis phase where they review those public comments and any previous rulemakings or data available. After that review, then the DOE issues a notice of proposed rulemaking or NOPER for public comment. The NOPER is the draft regulation and we usually spend a lot of time digging into the details of it and its supporting documents. The NOPER can be the last chance for public influence of the content of a regulation. Sometimes DOE might issue an early NOPER or a later supplemental NOPER either called an advanced NOPER, a NOPER, or a supplemental NOPER, SNOPER. After all of that is done and the DOE processes everything, has one-on-one -on -one meetings and so on, they have finally issue a final rule. That's a lot of steps. Yes, and that's why the DOE rulemaking process can take anywhere from three to ten years. Ten years? I thought you said seven years or six for TPs and standards. I did. That's what the law says. And there are no actual penalties, though, for DOE being late. For example, there's an open rulemaking for a NEMA product class, as of the time of this recording, that has been ongoing since 2013. So the full notice and comment process can take a very long time. Are there any shorter paths? Yes. When the DOE already has most of the data it, information it needs to conclude its analysis for a given product, the process can start at the pre preliminary analysis or NOPER phase. DOE can also publish a direct final rule, or DFR, when it receives a well-documented petition for a standard. And lastly, a rule might be negotiated between interested parties, colloquially we call that a regneg, in real time and move to the proposed rule stage much faster. Has NEMA ever participated in DFR or regneg? Yes, we've done both. And they work faster? Sometimes. The DOE is still a large agency and rarely moves quickly, at least not to the benefit of manufacturers when it does. Will you go into more detail on each of these phases we just ran through? I will, but it would take a lot of time in today's talk. I'll dive deeper into those steps in another podcast. Okay. Back to the rulemaking process. Once a rule is final, is that what it sounds like? Can anything be done to change its contents? Ostensibly, it is done as the name implies, but sometimes manufacturers and trade associations litigate to attempt to overturn portions or entire rules. Although it's that's rare and is expensive and the odds are stacked against a petitioner to take on the government, we have rarely litigated in part due to those reasons. How many NEMA comment documents are normal for one rulemaking? Uh, usually between about three to six documents. Uh, they vary in length between a few pages and several dozen. A few of our comment documents have gone into triple digits, but that is rare. Regardless, most of our comments are very technical, meaning we aren't just trying to plead for relief. Rather, we argue why the laws of physics or market demands or the real realities of mass manufacture mean the DOE cannot go as far down some regulatory path as its analysis claims. So besides written comments, how does NEMA participate in DOE rulemakings? We represent our members in several ways. Uh, we provide written and verbal feedback to DOE or its analysts, both publicly and privately. Uh, with member product working groups, we develop NEMA consensus comments in response to public proceedings, as I mentioned before. We also facilitate one-on-one -on -one discussions between NEMA and DOE staff to present new information or highlight and stress important issues. Internally, we lead technical and strategic discussions regarding rulemakings. Occasionally, we assist members in drafting company comment, independent from NEMA comments on request. You said we a lot there. Who else helps you with rulemakings? 
I lead the work, but I'm assisted by our technical experts in NEMA operations, as well as the NEMA Business Information Services and my other GR colleagues. Sounds like a lot of services and staff resources. Does NEMA charge for all of this? We don't charge anything extra. In most cases, this support is included in the annual budget of a given product section. Sometimes we run out of staff hours and have to find ways to cover the gap, but in general, we don't charge anything in excess of budgeted dues for the things I've mentioned. Besides section discussions, can members email or call you at any time with regulatory questions or request one-on-one -on -one discussions or training? Absolutely. That's part of my service to NEMA members. You mentioned before some rough timing on DOE rulemakings. Can you give a little bit more detail on that? Sir, um, DOE issues a semi-annual regulatory agenda twice a year, as the name implies, highlighting the regulation it plans to review. Uh, however, these lists are not complete and often the timing is not accurate as the year passes. Speaking generally, each of those stages or phases I mentioned takes about one year. So overall, most rulemakings will take three to five years to complete. Direct final rules or negotiated rules may take two to three years when everything goes well. Are there any other federal agencies involved in DOE rulemakings, or does DOE own it from start to finish? Well, besides congressional lawmaking, which I mentioned, which can and does rewrite statute, DOE has to also by law send all significant rulemaking notices through the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs, or OIRA, which is an agency under the executive branch, meaning the president. OIRA is meant to act as a check and balance to DOE proceedings, and their review often does modify the content of rulemaking notices to a small or even large degree, depending on the assessment of how well DOE analyzed and executed the rulemaking. Also, from time to time, the Small Business Administration, or SBA, steps in with comments and concerns about impacts to small U.S. manufacturers, but the SBA has no authority to change the contents of DOE rules. Does that mean NEMA can also advocate before these other two agencies? Yes, we can and we have. Great. Let's start wrapping this up since we've gone into a lot of detail. Is this documented anywhere? Yes. Uh, there's a companion PowerPoint brief available with this podcast, and I'm preparing one for any other follow-up as well. So I, usually I write the brief and then prepare a podcast from it. And those briefs do contain more information like links to federal websites and things like that. Do you also provide training on these topics? I'm happy to. Uh, I usually attend the meetings of sections which have products and scope of one or more of the agencies I interface with to give them updates and lead discussions. And then individually, I also answer emails and telephone calls routinely about DOE regulations. If a section wants me to brief them on one of these topics or another regulatory issue, I'm happy to do so. Thank you so much for providing all this information today, Alex. I'm sure our listeners learned a lot. You're welcome. If you found this podcast educational and interesting, please be sure to visit nema.org slash podcast for more sessions. Mm -hmm.